You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. Good morning and welcome to the CEO Podcast with Anthony Antone. Uh, today's presentation is brought to you by U.S. Bank's credit card processing program, and I'm going to drop a link into the chat so you can learn more about that. Today, Anthony is joined by Director of State Government Affairs, Julia Gordon, and Director of Local Government Affairs, John Lane. Just as a reminder, we are recording this and we will post it to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel. If podcasts are your thing and you'd like to listen to this in your car, you can find this wherever you can get, you get your, usually get your podcasts. Uh, if you have any questions today, please feel free to drop them into the Q&A section at the bottom of your Zoom screen. And with that, I will hand this off to you, Anthony. Good morning. Good morning. All right. It's 10 o'clock straight up. I think we're all going through a lot of the same stuff right now, which made me think of that, of just being in a podcast where we're all going through a little bit of bizarro world, hell, but business is okay, but things are better, but still bad. Um, I think we're all in that same boat of uh, unstable ground right now, and I think we're all feeling it. Uh, I am excited to have... uh, Two of the smartest people I know on our call today uh, in, in uh, Julia Gordon with State Government Affairs and John uh, Lane with Local Government Affairs. Um, although he's got his name in his uh, chat thing, which I think is, is, is my name in his chat room. Uh-huh. Um, Let me fix that. <laughs> the uh, I'm going to do a couple of quick updates around the horn. Again, when we're having our best day at the association, we hope to do four things for you. And, and I'll give you some of the highlights. <laughs> on those four things. Um, One, uh, in helping our workforce succeed, we are putting together some career ladders uh, for WorkSource uh, last month and this month so they can help better recruit people for our industry. And if if you have feedback or wanna take a look at some drafts or um, wanna help us develop those so we can articulate to the public that this first job in hospitality is not the end all be all, but there's a ladder you go through and we do have great jobs and careers here. We're looking to partner with WorkSource and help get that word out and hopefully help better feed a concern that uh, millennials really are asking to not even look at our industry because they're struggling to see the future in it. And I think we're going to have to more publicly help people see that vision on the communications front. Um, a lot of work done on the plastic bag band um, that took effect. That's taking effect. Um, Lisa just dropped the, uh, the toolkit in there. We also did a podcast on it. Um, we're also trying to answer a lot of questions. So if you have a question on the podcast, or on, excuse me, on the bag band, email it to Lisa. Um, and Lisa, can you put our podcast email in there? If you have any questions as we go, email, um, either put them in chat or email them to Lisa at podcast at wahospitality.org. And we will get right back to you. And if two or three people ask it, we'll probably add it to the Q&A on the bag band. But at least I, from my, what I gather, that podcast and that toolkit have gotten a lot of interest in the past month. So thank you for Tom for putting that together. Um, on the biz dev front, uh, coincidental that our uh, credit card program is sponsoring uh, the, the show this, mo- this, uh, 
this month because it really is saving people a lot of money. We had a lot of signups, a lot of interest in that. Um, and that program continues along with biz insurance uh, to enroll and grow and move forward um, and give you more reasons than just doing the retro program for being involved. And, uh, and we're excited about the development of that program on the government affairs front. Um, a couple of things I, I want to mention and, and really what's dominating our time um, is on the vaccine side. And so I think today's uh, main topic is where are we going with, with COVID and vaccine conversations in government. And so let's both do an update uh, as a kind of a ground floor from where we're at. And then we can talk a little bit about where we go from there. So John, you, you've been on the front line of these conversations as they popped out. Um, counties we didn't even think of would move are talking about it. Can you give our members and the industry an update on where local governments are with vaccines and vaccine mandates and promotion programs and just get us updated to where we're at today? Sure. Um, so I think some important background is that this um, issue of vaccine mandates for guests um, really kind of started uh, in New York and um, San Francisco and uh, New Orleans, and then a few other jurisdictions um, down in the Palm Springs area in California. Um, and so we've had the benefit of connecting up with our partners through the National Restaurant Association um, across the country and getting information and having them connect us with others in those areas to kind of uh, understand how those programs were being implemented um, in those areas. And uh, so when we started to hear that King County, um, Seattle King County Public Health was looking at this issue, um, we were able to draw on some of the lessons learned from those areas that we had talked um, and really facilitate a conversation with King County and the executive's office who started to look at uh, this issue. Um, you know, And one of our uh, real main messages messages was that it needed to be um, a broader spectrum. Uh, it couldn't just be food service um, and, um, and, you know, indoor dining and, and that, you know, there wasn't evidence sort of showing that. Um, and, you know, we worked real hard to sort of Id identify some of the other pieces where like identification um, checks um, became a real hot topic um, we've heard in New York. And so we recommended that we stay away from that. We really focused in on the worker safety concern um, and really talking about what that looks like um, because our frontline employees, you know, they may be trained to, you know, look at driver's licenses, you know, and other identification cards for purposes of, you know, alcoholic beverage sales, but they're not trained in looking at CDC cards or have any of that sort of situation. Um, I will say there are some members um, of the hospitality community that um, fully supportive um, and had already started to implement. And, and we think that that's great. Um, if folks, um, you know, had, uh, um, you know, implemented these programs independently and they thought through that. Um, one of the main things, you know, we said, you know, you need a sufficient runway um, to educate the public because it's a real challenge when, um, you know, we, we always sort of talk about 
our staff is sort of the last mile in communications. So whether it be, you know, straws on demand or um, closed captioning on TVs, like it's our staff that is one that's interacting with the public that has to explain those policies. And so we push really hard that if, if King County was going to move this direction, they needed to, to do a real strong educational program. And, and that led to like a five week uh, sort of implementation. Um, you know, so October 25th is when it will go into effect um, uh, for um, most um, members. Um, for those with 12 seats or less, um, there's a, a longer delay to uh, December 6th um, with the recognition that some of the smaller restaurants will have more of a challenge uh, with this issue. Um, so that's kind of what we've been working on there. I think that, it, you know, in contrast to that, we were kind of caught off guard when all of a sudden Clallam County and Jefferson County Health Officer, uh, you know, on September 2nd said, that they were going to uh, implement um, a uh, guest vaccine check um, two days later. Uh, and so, you know, that put a lot of stress on uh, local operators to try and figure that out at such short notice. Um, and so we've really uh, pushed, you know, hard. If there are any other counties or health offices that are considering this, like you just can't do that kind of a method. It just doesn't work. So. I'll stop talking there. Okay. Um, and just real quickly before I go over on this, the state side, um, uh, are there any other counties, uh, John, that um, have been active in the past month and talking about this? Are we hearing other rumblings? Yeah. So we know uh, up in Kitsap County, um, we're talking um, a little bit about it um, and there's some move forward. Um, but, you know, we worked with some of the local chambers and, and operators up there to um, pause that. Uh, we know that Pierce County um, has talked about it. Um, we've had a lot of uh, good conversations. Um, you know, that's one of the advantages that we have in association, having somebody locally on the ground there, part of our team, Joe Bushnell, um, you know, worked with you as well, Anthony, to the executive's office and the mayor's office. And we've had really good relationships with both of those offices over the last several years. So really able to raise the concerns and, and slow that down. Um, I know that there's been some rumblings, you know, kind of here and there in Snohomish County, but we haven't seen anything directly. And we've been reaching out and saying that if there is any um, situation, we want to be, you know, at the table on that. And, and that's the message that, you know, we consistently provide of if folks are thinking about, you know, putting in terms of these kinds of programs, we want to be at the table to talk about lessons learned, like I said, not just locally here, but from nationally uh, in the partners that we have and, and the information that we've, we've gathered. So, uh, Julie, I go ahead and give an update on what we're hearing from the state and the state agency side. And then I'll do a little bit on the virus. Um, and then let's talk about um, as far as the trajectory of the virus. And then let's talk about where we think these, think these things go from here. So what are you hearing from state agencies and or the governor's office? Yeah, uh, thank, thank you for the opportunity to be on today, um, Anthony. So we're hearing a lot of concern around where we are um, with the virus, and you're going to get into that in a bit, so I'll <laughs> defer to you on that. Uh, but a lot of concern about where we are. Cases are uh, plateauing and coming down, but at a 
very, very, very high rate that is just um, from their perspective, not sustainable. So they are looking at mitigation efforts, um, what next steps can be taken. We all know that um, as of Monday, um, folks who are employed by the state, um, healthcare, teachers, et cetera, we saw that, um, that employee mandate that was issued um, need to be vaccinated by October 4th, which was Monday. So there is conversations around how to um, extend that or um, kind of how to continue. Again, their, their focus has been on how to increase vaccinations. We know that our industry cannot withstand any additional closures, capacity restrictions. And so we, um, we are really working to help identify alternative measures as we try to get this virus under control so that we can one day um, go about our lives like we used to that two years ago, right? So <laughs> who remembers that? Um, so there are conversations happening at that level. We also know that the Biden administration has released their um, kind of um, um, overview of their proposal. They are at a federal level going to require that employers with more than 100 employees uh, have a vaccine requirement or provide um, some kind of testing weekly or more frequent testing option of unvaccinated employees. The state will then have to kind of take up their own version of that. Washington state doesn't just automatically adopt um, these type of federal requirements. We um, can do uh, greater than <laughs> um, those types of safety, work safety, workplace safety requirements. <laughs> so we do anticipate um, Washington state through LNI to adopt more rigorous um, employ employment requirements. Uh, so I think folks and members should be prepared for our state to um, to strip out the testing option and have a strict um, vaccine requirement. I think we'll also probably see them drop the employee threshold um, down from 100. It'll probably be closer to 50. I think that's probably a fair estimate of what um, Washington State's going to do. And, and uh, as far as the Biden administration, I think we're all kind of waiting to see what the rules actually are when they release them. Um, and, and either John or Julie, have we heard any updated time frame? I think we were thinking last week or early this week, and I haven't heard anything. Have you heard anything different as far as when they might release their rules that then the governor's office would look at? Not yet. I don't have any update, Anthony. Okay. I think we're all in the same spot on that. Yeah. Let me talk a little bit about the virus and some of the things that we're seeing and some of the data. And let's just talk about where we're going. And then let's just open it up for questions for the members. Uh, to make these uh, really clean half hour things you can listen to in a car and a drive or replay later, we're going to try to keep our, our conversation tight. Um, interestingly enough, and this gets to the message that John talked about, when you look at outbreaks in August and September, um, our industry is not, does not have the most outbreaks. Um, schools, childcare, retail, groceries, all have more outbreaks than, than restaurants. And while we have not loved the outbreak metric for a while, it's the one that Jefferson Clown and other people point to when they say, well, this is why we're doing your industry. You have the most outbreaks. 
since you look at data and you look at all the improvements we made and the other things we've made, we're actually seeing this virus be spread through the community, not in our industry specifically. As much as we're part of the community, that's the case. And so one of our messages is if you're going to do something, do it broadly, do it all public facing, do it all everywhere. Don't just pick on our industry. Um, it doesn't fix the problem. And what we saw is Jefferson Clallam got us a, a chance to have insight into that. In the months since they've adopted, they're actually their vaccine rates, vaccination rates have actually dropped. And so has vaccinations decreased under a industry only focus? Uh, vaccinations actually did not increase. They actually decreased at a faster rate than the state. And while the virus has slowed in the rest of the state, it's actually slightly gone up in Jefferson Clown, which are the two opposite of the policy goals of why to adopt it, which is why if they look at this, they should look at it more broadly. To Julia's point earlier, the other thing we're seeing in the virus is we are seeing things come down, um, but still well above the, the anything we saw in wave two or wave three. Um, particularly for hospitalizations or deaths. And so uh, when I look at this morning's numbers, um, we've plateaued, but we've plateaued near the peak of wave two, the last November, December wave, which is still a really high level. When we look at hospitalizations, they are coming down, but they are still at the highest, um, higher than any of the other levels we saw in wave two or wave three. Now, deaths um, have come down a little bit, but again, they're among the highest levels. So we are seeing a downward trend, but we'd like to see that downward trend be downward tenfold before we can really tell you the hospitals are out of uh, the concern that's driving a lot of need to move forward from there. Um, so like last month, I said the things to watch for is what's going on with hospitals. Um, we're seeing more and more data of hospitals about what's going on there, and I think that's going to drive policymakers to make different decisions. So um, with that, let's, let's uh, pivot towards the different decisions. Um, John, uh, actually, I don't know who to start with. Julie, I'll start with you this time to mix it up so Don doesn't feel picked on. When we look at the next 30 days or quarter, um, you gave us a little head, heads up of what some state folks might be thinking. How should operators prepare them, prepare their time, um, or uh, prepare their operations? And, and what timings should they be checking in and, and being cautious of, or what should they be watching for in order to make sure that their businesses are ready? Should something be announced? Yeah, well, I think it's likely in the next 30 to 60 days, we will know what the Biden administration is going to be requiring of employers with 100 or more employees. And then shortly after that, um, or possibly, you know, in the, in the process of the Biden administration, also um, adopting their rules, we'll probably get um, a better understanding, a better idea of what the state is going to require. Um, so I'd say in the next 30 to 60 days, be on the lookout for uh, what requirements employers will have for their employees. Okay. So what I heard from that, and then correct me if my hearing is bad, because my wife says I really suck at this. <laughs> um, what I heard from that is when they read in their newspaper or in our magazine or in our email posts, Biden releases its rules specifically for the 100, 
that within two weeks of that, we should, we are anticipating some kind of state announcement. And then to, that's really when they should go on alert. Is that, a, did I, did I hear that right? Do I get a gold star for that? Yeah, that, <laughs> that is correct. And I'll also say um, we can start thinking about now how you might implement a policy that will be required um, by the federal government or the state government. Um, we have a number of resources already available to members uh, from employment attorneys on um, how our industry or how employers uh, would go about um, instituting an employee requirement if we're required to do so. I'll just jump on. There's a question kind of related to this in the chat and say um, there are the federal rule, emergency rule or temporary rule, I think it's called, um, you know, hasn't been released yet. And, and there were more questions than answers um, and they haven't really taken a lot of feedback. You know, they've received questions from a lot of stakeholders, not just from our industry. Um, I think the best guess is that it would be a hundred employees throughout, so not a per location. Um, so if you're a, a a restaurant or a hotel or an entertainment, you know that has like you know two three locations and maybe smaller, like it would be a cumulative. Um, and then I'll, I'll let Julia weigh in, but I I think for sure that would be the direction that the state would take. Agree. Yeah, and I think we're all when we first heard the Biden announcement, we all had like, well, what about this? What about this? We all had like these eighty questions. And unfortunately, there's just no answer to a lot of them yet. We're waiting to see what it gets released. We have educated guesses, but really they're just guesses. The other thing I think is important to start thinking about and thinking through is that these are permanent requirements. Um, the state's vaccine requirement that they've already announced is not a temporary requirement. It's not, you know, in six months, the requirement goes away. It is a permanent requirement. There hasn't been an expiration date announced with um, the Biden announcement, um, but these are being considered as permanent vaccine requirements. On the I think there's a lot of side. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So far, I think there's a lot. Well, I'll pause there. John was probably wants to weigh in because King County ha has something different, but. Um, uh, so I don't want to scare folks who <laughs> are in King County there. Um, but uh, uh, I, I think that there was some line of thinking like, well, we'll call you back in six months when there's no longer this requirement. Um, but we would caution against kind of that that line of thinking. So far, these um, decisions have, are permanent, no end date. Yeah, I would just say, I think um, we need to make sure that we keep that distinction, like you're saying, Julia, between the, the guest check uh, requirements and what the employee requirements. Um, so right now here in Washington, you know, there are guest check requirements. There are not employee vaccination check requirements in Clallam, Jefferson or King County. They've sort of all left that up to kind of the LNI Biden administration situation. There are off ramps on the guest check piece in both of those locations or three locations. Uh, Jefferson Clallam, when the case counts dropped to, I think it's 25 per 100,000, uh, 14 day average. And then in King County, it's uh, we'll revisit um, in six months after the October, December implementation. Um, to Julia's point, 
I think the what we are seeing and the, the best evidence is that there's going to be more of a pivot towards the employee vaccination requirement than sort of the the guest check vaccination piece, I believe. So uh, I don't think those ones are going away where they've been implemented, whether or not they'll continue to be implemented, we'll keep an eye on, but it does really seem like there's a lot of momentum around the employee vaccination issue. Um, and I also think, as Julia mentioned, you know, as of, I think, you know, Monday or yesterday, I guess was the five, yesterday you were outside of the, the 14 day, you know, to be fully vaccinated. So state agencies, and then also Seattle King County has a similar requirement. Um, you know, some of those notices on terminations are starting to go out. So I think it'll be interesting to see here in the next month or so, kind of what the impact um, of the, uh, the state uh, worker and well, all of the other, it's not just state workers, it's other healthcare and other areas. I think it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And I think on, on that note, um, uh, John, uh, well, it's just real quick, Julia, that was the update on the state side. Um, um, I'll just add one note on the employee side. And then I just, your gut, John, on, on what you're going to see on the local level in the upcoming quarter uh, moving forward. Uh, but on the employee side, when you hear these announcements that 50 or 60 people did not get it and are going to get fired. It's not working. I think from an industry perspective on, on judging it, I'm listening for the percentages because if it's of the state workforce, you know, and, and I think the governors and other people thought it'd be three to 4% that they lose. That's a pretty big number on the state workforce, but as a percentage is pretty small um, where some of these other companies or fire departments numbers might be higher or smaller. So as you're listening and you're trying to judge the impact it has, listen for the percentage of workforce and less about the numbers because I think the numbers can be deceiving uh, a little bit. John, moving forward in the upcoming quarter um, on from a local government perspective, what should operators be listening for, watching for, diligent on, preparing for? Yeah, like I said, I, I feel like um, probably at this point, um, more of the response is going to be driven by what the feds and the state do. Um, I think those that were, you know, considering or thinking about acting probably have, you know, already put that in motion. Um, it doesn't mean that there's not more out there and we're going to continue to monitor and watch. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, this, the vaccine, you know, check issue is, it's not going away. Um, obviously in large venues, you know, it's been put in place that the, um, I'm sorry, um, Quest Field, Field. whatever, yeah. where the Seahawks Blumen, <laughs> thank you. And you stopped changing its name, um, you know, and Husky Stadium and, and other, you know, large venues. Um, so we'll kind of see how that's, that, that works out as well. And, you know, and, and a, you know, it may encourage others to start moving that direction. I think really, um, you know, as you pointed out, Anthony, the biggest driver is going to be where do the case counts go and where do the hospitalizations go? I mean, that's going to drive all of the response from the local health officers. Um, yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with, with, with that. I think if, if one or two other counties do suddenly break, um, I would be careful that that's not the dam that opens it up for everyone else. So 
if you do hear a county that's not yours, all of a sudden changing from here on in before or around the Biden announcement, um, you might want to just keep an ear on what's happening in your local county and make sure that we know what you know. So uh, the more information we can share as a network, the stronger we'll be. Um, Lisa, can you put back in, um, we're going to start taking some questions, but uh, we know that the majority of people actually listen in their cars um, or on their way home or um, with uh, earphones later in the podcast. Uh, so can you put in the email and, and, and tell us the email out loud again? So if there's questions that come up later, they know how to ask. And sure. if you want to ask a question now, put them in the chat room. Sure. It's podcast at wahospitality.org. And uh, we do have a question from Chris. He's He wants to be clear um, in those places that do have a vaccine mandate in place for guests. The guests would have to be vaccinated, but not necessarily in employees until the federal OSHA and state LNI regulations kick in. John? Yes. And the other two questions in here have been answered already. I don't know if John Meyer, John's question has been answered there to Julia, has it? Um, have you heard about the timing of LNI DOSH creating a rule? I heard a rumor they are not necessarily going to wait for the federal OSHA to drop their rule. Uh, so I keep hearing a November date, um, which honestly is just rumor at this time. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's a you know educated <laughs> guess. Um, November timeframe, and I think John, you're right. They they may not even wait until. Um, OSHA drops their rule. I just think that um, they, they probably need a little more information if their rule needs to be equal to or you know as um, as strong as their. They probably need to know what their rule is. Um, they could always always go back and if their rule's not strong enough, make changes. So um, they certainly could uh, come out with their own rules especially if they get frustrated on timing. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, we will be watching. Um, please put any, any other questions in the chat room, please put them in there. Um, I keep getting questions of, should I in my business move to a vaccination mandate? And what does it look like for me? I'll always say it needs to be what's right for your business. But someone, John, I think someone gave you this comparison. And the more I think about it, the more I see the similarities I kind of view this like the smoking ban. As, as your community crosses this critical mass of people who have been vaccinated, um, for some of you, it might really make sense. And I know we've created a vaccine um, uh, mandate, uh, sorry, vaccination requirement toolkit for people. Lisa, if you could put the link to that toolkit in there, they can also find it on our website. But if you are considering it, hopefully the toolkit will answer a lot of your questions. Um, but we are seeing vaccinations um, go up again, slower than they were certainly six months ago, but faster than they were maybe two months ago. And so we are edging closer and closer at 80% and a higher and higher percentage. Now, obviously, that varies wildly between communities, right? And so King County, San Juan, Jefferson Clallam numbers are higher, Lewis, um, uh, Asotin, other counties are lower. Um, but, but again, I see as the, as the majority and like high eighties, 
become vaccinated, I think it's going to be an easier and easier answer for some folks. All right. Other questions that have been in there? Yeah, there's one. The challenge with the percentage assessment is if we're down five to 10% today due to hiring challenges, a loss of three to 8% who will not vaccinate because the business could be the business is closing, then what then? I think one of the reasons we're, we're really encouraging to not make this hospitality specific is because if it applies equally across the board to everyone, then we shouldn't be chasing workforce around. If there is three to 5% that doesn't, Chris, you are right. It will make the challenge higher. I think that's why a lot of us are really curious to see what ends up actually happening in the showdown between some state workers and the state requirement um, and some local workers and some of the local requirements. I think we are going to, or in early October 25th is the deadline, Julie, is that right? For state workers? Uh, The 18th. October 18th. I think we're all going to be watching to see what the reality of that number is and where those come in at, um, because I think it's going to be very interesting. But a loss of 5% is a loss of 5%. That's, there is, that's, you're not wrong, Chris. And that's something we'll be watching. So Anthony, I would just pause it. Also, I think there's a real opportunity here for operators to talk with their staff about their own vaccination status and, you know, their willingness to go on it. I know some operators um, in Seattle who, you know, prior to this have moved towards a guest check. You know, part of that was through a lot of conversation with their staff and also really wanting to make sure all their staff got vaccinated. And uh, it took some real, you know, hard conversations um, in a positive way to sit down with folks and really answer questions because there is um, some misinformation out folks there that are not, uh, you know, they're vaccine hesitant, not vaccine resistant. And I think it's really, you know, there's an opportunity there to talk with those folks um, and, and help get them to a position where they feel more comfortable. Yep, I, I think that's true. I also think that this non-smoking thing, I think is this really interesting analogy because I went through that era um, and, and the industry's evolution on non-smoking. And as more and more of the public were non-smoking and more and more people were choosing it, it actually became an employee advantage to some to have this over here. And as the smaller and smaller group um, uh, remained smoking, it ended up being that about 100% or 85% of their clientele was smoking in this very small group. So when smoking finally got banned, this one group was really harmed. Um, And I think ultimately, um, unless we hit a point where we see these cycles stop, which no one is anticipating, we're headed in a direction where most people are gonna have to be vaccinated. And if you're one of those ones that kind of differentiates on the other side, when they make that last leap, you're looking at losing a majority of your workforce. And so I I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in the non-smoking and smoking times and vaccinated and unvaccinated times. I'm not claiming anything's are easy, um, but I am saying uh, be aware of those lessons. Uh, I think the people who got hurt the most when the smoking ban finally took effect were those operations that had waited till the very end and hundred percent of their clientele was smoking. They lost everybody versus some of the others who made a change over time really had been better prepared. Um, I don't see any other questions that have come in. Um, please keep asking us questions. If there's legal questions, if there's things in the toolkits that aren't answered, 
please email us at podcast at wahospitality.org so we can go get them answered and answer and added them to the toolkits Q&As. Um, and we'll be watching with a lot of other folks um, on where we're at. So unless there's any other questions on vaccine mandates or other things in the industry, um, uh, we will call it good. John and Julia, thanks for all your hard work and your late nights and your constant effort to try to help the industry succeed during really difficult times. Um, I don't know if people will ever know uh, how much passion and work you put into trying to help them. And uh, on their behalf, let me say thank you. We're writing a book, so. (laughs) There you go. Hopefully that doesn't need to make me scared. (laughs) All right. Good luck, everyone. I hope you have a, a great October. Um, and, uh, and uh, stay in touch as we go. Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.